Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. What is up, everybody? Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good to have you with us. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard. If you're new, shout out to the new people. Uh, if you've been here for a while, shout out for the people who've been here for a while. Uh, happy New Year. Everybody have a good New Year? By the way, isn't, isn't that week between Christmas and New Year just glorious? Right? And then that week, the week after New Year, doesn't it hit you in the gut harder than any week? I got crushed this week. Because I didn't look at any email for like 14 days. And then I came back and not only did I have the emails, but I had people saying, why aren't you reading my email? Yeah, it was great. It's really, really great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, hey, here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, I want to kick off a very small series. So this week and next week, a little mini series here to just like jumpstart the year. And the name of this series is Who Will Carry the Torch? This has been something that's been in my heart for a while now, like several months. This question has been in my heart. But before we get into the message, I just want to read some scripture to you. And this is from Acts chapter 2. And this is a passage that while I've been here as pastor that I've come back to again and again and again. In fact, I've taught this passage maybe more than any other passage that I've ever taught to the church. I've probably preached this to the church in the last 15 years. I've probably preached this exact passage 10 times. There's something about it that is not just for me, but it's, it's for us. It's animating. And I want to read just a few verses to you. This is Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. So this is after the Holy Spirit has been poured out into the streets. People are speaking in tongues and they're like, hey, what's up? Are you guys drunk? And Peter's like, we are not drunk, but we've been filled by the Spirit just like Jesus said, and the prophet Joel, and here's how it goes. And here's sort of the results, okay? And I want you to pay close attention to verse 42 in particular. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Those are the four devotions of the early church. Like, like what, make, what made the early church and hopefully what is forming us at the vineyard? Well, it's, it's four things. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then here's what happens. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their number, added to their fellowship, those who were being saved. That's our text, especially verse 42. But I want to go back to that question that was on my title slide a moment ago. Who will carry the torch? Um, This question, this exact question has been in my mind and in my heart for probably over nine months now. I've been been carrying this 
uh, in my heart. And I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's kind of a strange question. Who will carry the torch? Uh, it's strange because nobody talks like that. Like, I don't talk like that. I don't ask people who will carry the torch. This is not a part of my vernacular. This is not a part of the discussion. This is not what happens when I interact with people. These kinds of words don't come out of my mouth, you know? But, but this has been something that I feel like the Lord has given to me and has been asking me and has impressed upon me. And this, this question, who will carry the torch, uh, the image at the center of this question is, like when I think about it in my mind, is like the Olympic torch, right? And this, that's why I have this little picture here for us this morning. It's, it's an image of the Olympic torch. And there are, I think, three things that are sort of in this image, uh, three, three forms of a metaphor that are in this image. So like number one, uh, the image, um, it, it represents passion, this image in particular. It represents passion. You know, the, the burning eternal flame. Like, like, what does it mean to be a passionate person? Sometimes you'll hear people talk about, like, I'm on fire with something, right? And so there's something about this image that is speaking towards passion. Uh, there's also something about this image that speaks to cooperation and community. Because how many of you know that when the Olympic torch uh, is running through communities on its way to its destination city, what do they do? They light the torch at Mount Olympus, and then what happens? Like, there's a runner, and the runner runs until the runner can't run anymore, and then what, is, what does that runner do? They pass it, right? You, you, you take the fire, and you, you give the fire. And then this image is also one of grace, because, because the runners, all they can run with is what they've received. You just, you just receive it, and, and what do you give away? You just you give away only what you've received. And so in this image, for me anyway, as I've, I've meditated on it for the last nine months, there's, there's inside of this, this notion of passion, this notion of cooperation and community, but also this notion of grace. The only thing that you can give away are the things that you've received. And that's the way it works for all of us. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want to tell you a little bit about our church. So maybe you're new here or... Maybe you've been here for years. Um, whatever the case may be, I just want to tell you a little bit about our church. Uh, Vineyard Campbellsville is almost 28 years old. In October, it'll be 28 years old. It was officially founded in October of 1996. The truth is it probably started a little earlier than that, but the papers and the documents say October of 1996. Uh, and so what that means is, is that we're almost 28 years old. And in some ways that feels really old to me, you know, as somebody who was here at the beginning, because I and my wife and, and several others, maybe who were even here in the room, we were here at the very, very beginning. And it's like, how did this happen? 28 years. But in other ways, uh, I can tell you, I can tell you that the Lord has been talking to me. And I realize that in many, many ways, we're just getting started. That's, what, that's part of what it means to be a church, you know? You get hooked into this, this ancient vine, you know? We've been grafted into this ancient vine, and, and even though maybe we feel like we're a little bit old, the truth is, is we're just getting started. And part of what the Lord has been pressing on me is the need to build for not just near future, but the need to build for deep future, right? And so I want to give you a very short history of our church. 
our church was principally founded by four couples. I just want to name them for you, okay? There are other players involved, and those other people were very important, but they weren't as important as these four couples. Uh, Dick and Diane Salmon, uh, pillars at this church. The reason everybody is in this room is because of Dick and Diane Salmon. They're the pillars of the pillars. Uh, and then there's Bobby and Ann Tucker. Shout out, Uncle Bobby. He's still here. Amen. And Ray and Candy Roberts. And Ray and Kim Hollenbach. Those, those four couples are the pillars of this church. And in that pillar set of couples, the pillar pillars were Dick and Diane. Let me just tell you, okay? I was there, I know. It started at their house out on Lone Valley Road. Uh, there's a lot of other people that were really important, but those people are the principals. And like I said a moment ago, this church began in Dick and Diane's living room and it quickly outgrew that space. And I, I just want to share with you this because it's so precious to me. Like this church started in their house. Guys, there were moments in their little house on Lone Valley Road where 50 to 70 people are shoved into a home that doesn't hold that many people. And there's something happening in the living room and there are people down a hallway or in the kitchen that cannot see what's happening in the other room, but they're just there, okay? Again, that thing we were talking about a minute ago, passion, like that's what flipping started this thing. Like people were so filled with passion that they would want to just sit in the kitchen and not be able to see what's happening, but you could just hear it and be around it, you know? It's that kind of fire. That's what started it. Anyway, it quickly outgrew that space and we had to move and we, and we ended up in a little storefront behind the courthouse called By the Station. Do you guys know where that's at? <laughs> By the Station. We had a, like a, a little storefront and uh, some of you maybe were there. And let me just tell you about the storefront. This is some of my favorite stuff. Here are the things that I remember most about the storefront. White plastic Walmart chairs. We had white plastic Walmart chairs. And if you lean back in them, the legs would snap off and you would fall on the floor. Uh, ask me how I know that. Because people did it. That's how, that's how I know that. Because in the middle of church, at some point, somebody occasionally would lean back in the chair and it would just snap. And we'd have to stop and go, you know, can someone check on this person? Yeah. White plastic Walmart chairs. And, um, and this is something you probably don't know, but um, this is another thing that sort of sticks out to me. Uh, Ray Hollenbach was the first worship leader at the vineyard and he led Calypso worship. <laughs> no lies told, right, Raymond? No lies told. Yeah, so we had white plastic Walmart chairs. We had Raymond Clinton Hollenbach and, and Calypso worship. And this is another thing I really loved. Uh, there, was, there was a breaker box that wasn't great. And here's what I mean by that. So we had like this we met in this little narrow storefront, and sometimes if the worship had some energy to it, the worship band, I don't know really how this works, Bobby, you'd have to give us the lowdown because you're smart, but somehow we would jam so hard into our little sound system that the sound system would blow the breakers in the room and the whole room would go dark. Now you can imagine this, right? This is bad, especially if visitors are coming. But to make it even better, the breaker box was actually not in our building. 
And so Ray would have to leave our building, go to the next building, and then flip them back on and then come back. So you'd just be sitting in the dark for like four minutes. So just imagine like you've invited a friend to church and the breakers go out and maybe someone breaks a Walmart chair. If what you're thinking at this point is, how did this church survive? You're thinking the right thoughts. That's the right thought. That is exactly the right thought. And, um, you know, fast forward a whole bunch of years. uh, Here we are. We're all in the same room. And the chairs don't break. And the worship isn't Calypso. And the breakers mostly work. A whole lot of stuff is different. Well... You might be asking, why has this been on your heart, Adam? Well, here's why this has been on my heart. Uh, It's been on my heart because a few weeks ago, Ann Tucker passed away. It's been on my heart for over nine months, but like things are coming into focus in a brand new way, right? So Ann Tucker passed away a a few weeks ago, and if you were paying close attention to this message, you realize that she's one of those pillar people, right? And a few years before that, Uh, Diane Salmon passed away. And I want to frame it this way because here's what it means. We're at this stage in the life of our church where the very people who made this place and gave their lives for it, planted it, grew it, and gave to it, we're at this stage in the life of our church where the very people who made a place where you could come and where you and I can meet with God and have friends and raise children are starting to pass away. We're at a really different place now. We're no longer a baby church. And so the question that's been in my heart for over nine, month, for over nine months is this. Who will carry the torch? Things are changing. Some people, some principal couples gave themselves to God and to one another and to the community of Campbellsville in a way that has, for 28 years, made a home for people to meet with God and to meet with one another, and to have a place where children could be baptized, and older people could be baptized, and people could meet with God, and, and, and people could receive communion, and people could get prayer. And, and so the question in my heart now is, well, who will carry the torch? Who will carry the torch? Well, here's what I want to do really quickly. I've already outlined four important things from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I just want to quickly walk through those four devotions of the early church. And then I just want to land with an invitation. The four devotions of the early church were teaching, fellowship, sharing meals, especially the Lord's Supper and prayer. Um, Over the years here at the Vineyard, the teaching has been carried by several people. Uh, Over the years here at the Vineyard, uh, we've been so blessed with so many people to teach and share the word of God with us. And uh, no one has had a bigger role in the shaping and teaching here at the Vineyard than Ray Hollenbach. Uh, the truth is, at this point, uh, I have technically preached here longer than Ray, which is wild. But here's the thing. Ray's my spiritual father, and he formed me, so his influence is still coming to this church because I'm the person who's here. Nobody has formed this place more than Ray Hollenbach. He's my mentor, and he also has deeply shaped who I am as a pastor. And so his influence continues to form our body. 
And here's one of the things that I've learned and loved about Ray over the years. Uh, a few things, actually. Number one, Ray loves the Bible. Like, Ray loves the Bible. Like, and I just want to say something about here, us here at the Vineyard. Like, at the Vineyard, we're a Bible church. We're a Bible church. We, we ground our lives in the scriptures. You know, we, we love the Lord. We love Jesus. We welcome the Holy Spirit. And the reason we do all these things is because we have a Bible to go to. We have scriptures to ground our lives into. And, and I learned this principally from Ray Hollenbach. And, and here's the other thing I know about Ray. He's committed to leaning into the faith. Ray is committed to leaning into faith, but he's also grounded in the historic church. And that's very important because we're charismatics. And one of the things that sometimes happens in charismatic world is you get so charismatic that you lose touch with the historic faith. And my mentor and my pastor is someone who leans into faith, but he stays connected to the historic church and stays connected to the Bible and to teaching things that should be taught and, and to teaching the main thing. You know, like one of the things that Ray taught me early, early on is teach the main stuff. Forget the external like fringe stuff. It, the fringe stuff doesn't matter. Teach the main things. Not only that, uh, Ray doesn't get too high and he doesn't get too low. And that's really important, you know, especially when you're leading and teaching a church. And Ray has also flown the discipleship flag for years. And not only has he flown that flag, but he's actually lived it. Uh, one of the things that I look for when I look at pastors and mentors is I, I, look, I look at this. is like, who, is your, who are your disciples? You know, Ray has flown this discipleship flag for years. And let me just tell you something about Ray. Ray has a discipleship tree that is staggering. I can name you Ray's disciples. I'm one of them. Eric's one of them. Sam Yoder is one of them. I mean, I can name you so, so many. Uh, Grant Dawson. I mean, there's so many. And here's the crazy thing about Ray's disciples. They've all gone and done amazing things in the world. Right? Like, here's one of the metrics you should begin to look at other people with when it comes to leadership, especially in the church. It's not just, is that person gifted, but have they been able to maintain and raise up other gifted people who do amazing things in the world? He has. This is what the Bible means when it, when it talks about devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The main thing that you can share and pass along, it's grace. And we're committed to that here at the Vineyard. Uh, number two, fellowship. The early believers were devoted to fellowship. Man, what is a church if there's no fellowship? Like, what is a church if there's no fellowship, if there's no kinship? You know, if you wanted to change the language a little bit, we'll call it this. What is a church if there's no hanging out? Like, what is friendship? What is a church if there's no friendship? Something that extends beyond the formal Sunday meeting. By the way, this isn't just something that happened in the early church. It's been a part of our common vineyard life as well. Here's a question for the whole room. Uh, whose house has been more open than Ray and Candy Roberts? Like, who's, who's house, whose door's been more open than Ray and Candy Roberts? Let me answer that for you. No one. No one. That's the answer. The answer is no one. Whose door's been more open? Whose table has been, has been more open than Ray and Candy Roberts? The answer is no one. Uh, let, me, let me frame it for you this way. Why is the vineyard this way? 
Why does it feel this way in the room? Why are these people here? Why is there a spirit of friendship? Why is there a spirit of connection and fellowship? Why is there this spirit of hospitality that's in the room? I'll tell you, because the pillars opened their actual doors to their actual homes, to their actual tables, and made actual food for people they didn't know. That's why. Who's done it? No one more than them. No one. Why is it this way? I can tell you why it's this way. Because the humans who were the pillars did what they saw in the scriptures. That's why. And so for, so for over 28 years, for over 28 years, they're still doing it. It's not a joke. Fellowship. It's a really big deal. Finding friends. Third devotion of the early church. Sharing in meals kind of an extension of fellowship, isn't it? Like if you get together and there's no food, what are we doing? Wait a minute. By the way, it's in our founders as well. I I just want to say this. Our church was literally, this is not metaphoric, literally built around Bobby and Ann's table. I want to tell you it was literally built around Bobby and Ann and Dick and Diane Salmon's kitchen table. Like, who here, who here got to eat Ann Tucker's fried chicken? If, if your hand is not raised, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm actually so sorry. Yeah, why, like, what, what made, what makes a church that will last? What makes a church that will last? Let me tell you one of the things that makes a church that will last more than maybe even a youth group or a good program or a fancy building, more than having the right branding on Instagram, more than slick production and good Twinkie lights on the back of the stage, the thing that actually makes a real church that will stand the test of time is Ann Tucker making you fried chicken and welcoming the stranger and the weirdo into her house and around her table and feeding them, that's how it's done. It's literally Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is the stuff. This is the stuff. And it's the stuff that the pillars of this church have done. Maybe more than any other thing, I just want to tell you, maybe more than any other thing, hospitality has built this church. Probably more than any other thing. I just want to tell you, I'm not the best preacher. There are many, many preachers who are much, much better than me. You can find them on YouTube. You can. There are many, many better preachers. We have an amazing worship band. There's probably not a better one. I'll say that. There might be, but it's no clo- nowhere close, right? But I will tell you this. The thing that actually built this church is hospitality. More than any other thing. And our founders picked up on this. Uh, I love this. I was reading this week with the staff. Glenn Packiam says in his book, The Resilient Pastor, I think we have a slide for this. He said, the signs of the kingdom and the ministry of Jesus were acts of healing and hospitality. Especially in Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel and in the book of Acts, the thing you see Jesus over and over doing, two things, healing people and inviting people to tables. And here at this church, the thing that has grown and made us and sustained us is something in the area of hospitality. Our founders picked up on this.
Number four, the early church is devoted to prayer. The last devotion is prayer. I just want to tell you, this church was born in prayer. Uh, how many of you were here last week when everybody was sharing their testimonies? Were y'all here? Yeah, did you hear Mimi Tucker? What did Mimi say? Mimi talked about her two sisters who ended up with cancer. They ended up passing away. Can I tell you what? The reason this church is here is because Dick and Diane Salmon knew about this, was friends, and invited those two ladies into their home to pray for them. Like, why is this church here? This church was born in prayer. And not only was this church started at a prayer meeting to pray for these two ladies, but, but Dick Salmon has carried the spirit of prayer in his heart for over 30 years. So many prayer meetings, so many prayer gatherings. Dick and Diane, early on, they ran these prayer meetings they called night watches. It formed our early experience. They would start praying at 10 p.m. and they would go till 6 a.m. the next morning. Like, why is the vineyard the way it is? That's why. Uh, can I tell you something? We are all now living in things they prayed for 28 years ago. By the way, that's the way prayer works. When you're praying, it doesn't feel like anything's happening. And then you look up and a decade later, you realize everything you prayed for is around you. That's the way prayer works. Like this place is what it is, is simply because Dick and Diane in particular prayed for it to be this way. Uh, Bobby Tucker over and over again said, the vineyard has to be a place for young people. Do you notice there's kids everywhere? Like it's the, it's the major problem we have. We have more kids than we have kid room. Where did that come from? It came from prayer, y'all. It literally came from prayer. Bobby kept saying, we got to make for place, a place for children and kids. And Dick and Diane prayed for it. That's how we got here. That we're all living in their prayers. That's what it is. It's an early devotion of the early church. And right next to prayer, right next to prayer uh, is worship. Prayer and worship in the Bible, they just go together. You, you, can't really, you can't really divide them out. You know, anytime you start to pray, you'll end up worshiping. And one of the things I've noticed is, is anytime you worship, if you go along enough, you'll you'll end up praying. They're, they're so connected. And at the very beginning here at this church, we just love to worship. Like, there's a reason this thing is in the room. Uh, there's a reason why the most common story that people have told me over the last three decades of the vineyard is, oh, I came into worship and I started crying and I don't know why. Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Spirit of the Lord is here and you're encountering the Holy Spirit. That's why. It's not just you being emotional. Those are not just like fake crocodile tears. That's actually God beginning to move in your life. And that was always here at the very beginning. We've always been a worship church. There's always been a fire for worship here. It was normal people. It was normal for people to come and worship here. Um, honestly, here at the Vineyard, it's been normal for people to come and worship here even when there was no meeting. All of my youngest formative experiences in church here at the Vineyard were often happening outside of the meeting. I was, I've been telling you guys about this maybe for the last six months. I've been sharing little pieces of this. Like the thing that was so common here at the Vineyard is, is you could come by on, on any night of the week at 11 o'clock and there, there would be young people in here uh, like playing instruments and worshiping God. Uh, when, I was, when I was in my 20s, there was a giant group of us and really, really commonly, we would just pack up, go to the prayer, the prayer chapel at Lindsay Wilson, and we would stay all night long, all right? We could have done many other things. Oh, where's that coming from? It's coming from that, that passion, that fire again, right? Like, how did this place end up being what this is? It came from worship and prayer. 
Okay, but let me tell you what happens over time. Two things. Two things happen over time. Number one, you take things for granted. You just get used to it, don't you? You get used to it. How many of y'all noticed that the weather sucked this week? How many of y'all were cold? Yeah. A part, of my, part of my job, my other job that's kind of connected to this job is I have to do Zooms every day. And half of my other team that I Zoom with, they live in California. <laughs> so I came in on Wednesday and I'm like miserable. I have a parka on or something. I, you know, and I'm on this Zoom and I, and, I, and I asked Casey and Melissa, I said, tell me about California today. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, it's, you know, 69 degrees and sunny. And I'm like, what's it going to be tomorrow? They're like, oh, it's 69 degrees and sunny. And I'm like, and I, and, I, and, I, and I put my head on the computer like this. I'm like, Lord. And Casey's like, yeah, man, it's like that all the time here. And Melissa's like, it really is. I'm like, I know, guys, I've been to your house. Why am I telling you this story? Uh, because it's like that in California all the time. And, and guess what my California friends think about the weather? They don't. They just take it for granted. They just, they just drive with their top down in their Mustangs. And Meanwhile, here in Kentucky, we get five and a half months of gray. That's what we get, right? We would never take that for granted as Kentuckians, would we? We would never take that for granted. Mm. But what happens? What happens when you live in a thing for a while? You just take it for granted. It's not just something you do. It's what I do. It's what we all do. Uh, here's the second thing that happens. There's this thing in group dynamics called diffusion of responsibility. Anybody know what this means? It means something like this. As a group grows larger, there's increased diffusion of responsibility. And so it works out something like this. As a group grows larger, everyone assumes that whatever needs to be done is either being done or will be done by who? Somebody else. Somebody else. So, you know, as that group gets bigger, everybody's just assuming, ah, somebody else, will, somebody else is doing that. Somebody else is taking care of that. Somebody else is thinking about that. Somebody else is caring about that. Somebody else is doing that. Diffusion of responsibility occurs when people who need to make a decision wait for someone else to act instead. The more people involved, the more likely it is that each person will do nothing, believing someone else from the group will probably respond. And that's one of the challenges for us here at the Vineyard, uh, one of our main challenges right now, especially going forward, is, is we've gotten big enough that there's a lot of diffusion. And it's possible to show up here and just assume someone else is going to do a thing. And so what I want to do is I want to pastorally invite the room into this question. Who's going to carry the torch? Who's going to carry the torch? And let me just frame that for you in some very, very specific ways. Maybe God is inviting some of you here to lean into teaching this year. It's an early devotion of the church. It's a devotion here at the Vineyard as well. Maybe, maybe the Lord is inviting some of you here to lean into teaching. And this could work a couple of ways. Uh, maybe, maybe the Lord has given you gifts of teaching and you need to share. And what do you need to share? You just need to share Olympic fire. Only the things you've received, right? That's all you do. You just, what have you received? Give it away, you know? Uh, and that probably here in our little world, it probably looks like a home group or something. 
And if you don't even want to lead a home group, maybe it means you'll look around and go, well, who are three people I could sow my actual life into? You know, what are the things that God has given me that I could give away? That's, that's the essence of like Christian teaching. Like what, what is the Olympic fire that I've received? You know, and you give it away. And, and here's what you do. You don't assume that someone else is going to do it. You don't assume, well, Ray will do it. Ray's doing it, you know. Maybe, maybe it's time for us to do it. Uh, number two, number two, maybe God is inviting you this year to lean into hospitality, to open your home, especially for meals. But not just meals with your friends, but meals with new people, making the circle bigger. Like the difference between worldly friendship and Christian friendship is that in Christian friendship, the table always has more room. In worldly friendship, you just go, ah, I've got my friends. Get the heck out. The world says I've got enough. But in, the God, in, in God's kingdom, the table is always bigger. The door is always open. And there's always room for new people. And let me just share some things with you about hospitality, especially for this church. I just want to speak pastorally for a moment. There are a lot of amazing friend groups in this church. A lot. And if you're new here, you'll feel that. You'll feel the fact that there's like real friendship here and that it goes deep. It's a real thing. You're, you're not making it up. It's a real feeling. But I want to speak to the friend groups here just for a moment. Uh, I want to I just invite you not to get stuck in only inviting the people that you're always inviting to your things. Uh, that's actually not kingdom friendship. It's just worldly friendship. And it can be a gift. It blesses. But in God's kingdom, there's always room for more people. That's the way it works. It's how you got into God's kingdom. Aren't you glad that God's table includes you? And aren't you glad that he, when he says to, to his best friends, aren't you glad he invites other people to come along? Like, that's the difference. So maybe this year God is inviting you to open up your home, especially for meals and especially for new friends or people who are outside of your circle. Maybe that also means hosting a home group or leading something. Number three, maybe God is inviting some of you here to extend the circle of fellowship. This is the stuff right here. Just, in, in, just enlarging the circle of fellowship, like friendship. I, I really, I've, I've been really feeling this this year. Like, I need, I need some, some extra friends. I, this is actually the thing I've been feeling from the Lord. Like, I, I'm someone who is so richly blessed with friendship, but I've been feeling from God the invitation to go, you know what, Adam? You could use some more friends. You could use some new friends. And maybe that's, maybe that's, this, maybe that's you this year. And then number four, prayer. Maybe God's inviting you into the place of prayer and worship to take your devotional life more seriously. But maybe God wants to give you a heart for prayer, and not just a heart for prayer, but a heart for prayer as it relates to this church. Can I tell you something? One of the things we need right now is we need some people who will pray for this church so that in 10 years we can live in your prayers. We need that. Like who's praying the prayers right now that we will live in in 10 years? And diffusion of responsibility just... It, it can hit a group like this and we'll just assume somebody else is doing it. But maybe God's inviting you to pray the prayers that we can live in in a decade, you know? Or, or, or maybe God's inviting you into worship in a brand new way. Um, maybe God is inviting you to, to, to sow your life in such a way that it makes, it makes a space for his presence and for his, his spirit among us. And it's not just for you, but it's for, 
other people. So I want to land here this morning. Who will carry the torch? Who will carry the torch? Who will carry the torch? Who? This is, this is about passion, right? Like who will carry the fire in their heart? Uh, this is also about community and cooperation. Who, who will receive something, but then also pass it along? And then this is, this is also about grace as well. Because the only thing that the Spirit is inviting us to, to carry or to pass along are the things that, that we receive. You don't have to make something up. You don't have to generate something. You just, you just give away the things that you've been given. Amen? So here's what I'd love to do this morning. If you're on the worship team, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.